Hi, everybody, and welcome to How Music Charts, the podcast where we explore the dance between interpreting data and making creative decisions in the music business every day. I'm your co-host, Jason, and you'll hear from our co-host, Rutger, very, very soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help professionals leverage the power of music. Any opinions or views expressed by our guests or the co-hosts on this podcast are his or hers alone and do not in any way constitute the opinions or views of any company he or she works for. To preserve a tone of earnest dialogue and protect our guests, we will refrain from using names of any kind, personal, company, or otherwise, unless our guests have granted us explicit permission to do so. In this episode, we chat with Ben Salberman. Ben's still a college student, but don't let that fool you. He's no ordinary college kid. For starters, he's super passionate about gangster rap. So if you're ever curious about what's going on in the underground scene, Ben's your man. In the past year, Ben's been working on his own personal project centered on capturing the network of influence around gangster rap. Thanks to his deep interest in underground rap, Ben quickly noticed that artists in this scene got big through a complex network of local cinematographers, AKA people who were good with cameras and shot cool music videos. Just like Cole Bennett did with Lyrical Lemonade, these cinematographers soon became their city's go-to person, helping to fashion the local rap scene through their YouTube music video channels. Ben hasn't been out there with his own video camera, but he has been analyzing artist success in his own way by gradually curating his own list of regionalized YouTube rap outlets. Using several key factors, including channel name, Ben has organized his list to gain a better understanding of just how powerful and important YouTube can be for developing the burgeoning local rap culture. Since 2016, he's been working at Big Mike, the ruler events in Connecticut as a promoter and stage manager. Starting mid last year, Ben also kicked things off as a talent manager and writer at Sparky, a music company in LA where he now helps reach out to artists, run studio sessions, write blog articles, and scout for emerging rap and R&B acts. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, Ben. No, definitely. Happy to be here. Cool, man. Um, so I thought we'd just start off with um, some kind of just talk about you, just uh, who Ben is. So tell us where you're from and how, what was your kind of road into the music industry and what kind of specifically led you to kind of like this, this, this love of, of gangster rap that you have? Yeah, so um, I moved to Connecticut when I was three, so I've spent most of my life in Connecticut. Um, and as far as I can remember, like, I've always loved, uh, I've always loved hip hop. At one time, I like one day, I like you mentioned Big Mike in, in your intro. I emailed Big Mike, um, who's a big promoter in Connecticut. He used to run around with like French Montana, Lil Kim, Jadakiss, um, in the New York rap scene. He's from Connecticut though. And he's kind of like the go-to guy in Connecticut. So I basically, I hit him up. I was like, I'd love to be a promoter. I'd love to work for you. And he hit me back, and that's kind of how it all got started. Do you uh, do you see kind of like your studies right now as being kind of like uh, kind of going hand in hand with your music industry career, or is this kind of like uh, two separate worlds for you? Um, in a in a way, it's two separate worlds. Like I've I've done a I've done a couple um, essays about like about rap, but um, it's when I when I write about rap for school, it's normally not like the the industry, like, you know, um, definitely not like this list that, that I've, that I've, um, put together. Like it's, it's kind of the opposite of that. It's, it's more about like the cultural, um, elements of music and hip hop specifically. Yeah. Um, and I like hip hop, hip hop's relationship with urban environment, which is obviously a very strong one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say like they're to- two totally separate worlds. Cause like, I'm definitely, especially like, you know, hearing about, um, you know, we're, we're reading about gentrification and we're reading about different development, real estate um, issues. And, and Hunter, we really focus on New York City. So um, it's it's hard to like parse the two. But that being said, like, you know, my urban studies is definitely like, like not my, my music education. My music education is like the, is really just the industry and like yeah. talking to people like you and, uh, you know, just being in sessions and hanging out with artists. So uh, that, that's what I would say is the real, the real education. Well, that's very flattering that you say us, but I know for <laughs> at least my case, I, uh, you are, you are the new guard, man. I'm the old guard. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn from you right now. Um, so before I want to talk about, um, gangster rap uh, specifically, I know you have a love for hip hop, but you know, there are many genres of it and many flavors of it. So this list that you put, that you made, how many, how many different YouTube channels are there? Oh, hold on. It is... <laughs> It's long. It's like seven hundred, about seven hundred. I'm looking right now. Okay, actually, cool. We're not gonna get into it yet. I'm just trying to put a little teaser out there. It's gonna be like seven hundred <laughs> okay. plus 
cool. on YouTube channels <laughs> that we're going to get into. But um, kind of more generally speaking, so tell us why you know why gangster rap, why underground rap, why the local scenes? Because of course, you know, a lot of you know people we know and. Um, you know, we see Cardi B, we see Drake, we see a lot of, you know, big commercial um, hip hop rap artists, you know, doing their thing. Um, not to say you don't like them, too, but uh, what is it about the gangster rap world that you find so alluring? I, like I said, I grew up right outside of New Haven. So, um, I, you know, I went to I don't know if you guys heard, have heard of Toad's Place, but it's like a legendary Connecticut venue. Should definitely like make your way down there if you can. Um, but I would spend a lot of time at Toad's Place, among other uh, like clubs in Connecticut, and um, and you know there would be all these opening acts, um, and you know like because that's how promoters kind of make their money. Like they, you know, they're trying to um, kind of soften their soften their risk, right? So they basically charge a bunch of local artists to um, to open up, and you get like maybe like ten acts before your you know your headliner. So I would just see a lot of these guys perform and like I would be there before the shows, there after the shows on stage, sometimes during the shows. And like I would just get to like meet them and their and their teams and their friends. And like, I don't know, it was just cool to like hang out with these people who are like just trying to like grind and go get it. Weren't necessarily on yet, but in some cases were very talented. Um, so. Yeah. And then also, like, like I said, like I, I met, I've been managing artists since I was like 17. So, um, you know, just like, there's kind of just like a personal bond, like, you know, so one of these artists, basically the, the way I got my first management gig was I was at a Lloyd bank show at like a really a club performance. Yeah. And, um, these two artists approached me. They're like, yo, like, look, we're looking for management. Um, like, can, can you help us out? So I was like, yeah, let's have a meeting. So we like met at, I don't know, some like gross hotel and, uh, in, in like, in like a, in like a diner area, like, and, uh, I forget what it was called anyway. Um, and we just like, you know, we just made it official and, you know, I started managing them and I was just like, you know, it was fun. Like, you know, we were, we were pressing CDs, we were giving away free t-shirts, flyering, doing club nights every Thursday. And like, it was just, it was just like fun to be on the road and just, you know, like, you know, just just working towards something um and you know a lot that's, that's the case for like a lot of underground um gangster artists so um it was a lot of fun and you know so i just i just like feel for them there's like definitely you know like there's definitely something special there so that i mean that's where i think my love comes from so was this in this was during your the big mike yeah like, yeah like so this time was, in your okay yeah yeah this so i so i linked up with big mike when i was like 16 so it's 2016 and then yeah. um yeah, so this was when I was like 17 turning 18. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you talk about like the way you've seen kind of the development, um, not necessarily just in Connecticut, can be just Connecticut, but just kind of generally speaking in America, kind of like the, the underground rap scene? Um, you yeah. know, m maybe if you want to talk about Connecticut a little bit, maybe talk about maybe some other regions in the States. Um, just, just tell me a, kind of like the way you see it, the way it's kind of, you know, when it started, you know, and kind of how it's, where it's at today, that kind of thing. All right. So first of all, tight beats are like driving rap, like, or at least like a lot of like trap and gangster rap. Um, yeah. Tight beats are like, you know, when you look up on YouTube, like Kodak black type beat or NBA young boy type beat. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are basically these producers and that kind of, I mean, it, it definitely existed beforehand, but like the, the example I think a lot of people like to use is um, a boogie coming up off of cash money, APs beats. So mm -hmm. like, a Boogie was basically like ripping Cash Money AP's beats off of YouTube. Um, and so like YouTube YouTube beats have been like super, you know, really since then, it's like, or at least that's when I started to notice it. Like since then I've noticed like a lot of producers, A, are posting their stuff on YouTube and B, like that's kind of becoming like a marketplace for beats. So like there are now, you know, like in the description you'll read like, um, you know, email me to purchase this beat, blah, blah, blah. Or like find me on Beat Stars. Um, so so yeah, like type beats are really big. But what's what's happening is a lot of these type beats are very similar because the nature is like you're basically emulating a bigger producer style or a bigger rapper's beat preference. Um, and what ends up happening is like a the beats are very similar, and what that breeds are like very similar underground rappers. So like 
Lil TJ came up in New York City. Um, and as a result, like, so Lil TJ is like the buzzing artist right now. Like Lil TJ is like the, like the gold standard of, of New York artists right now. Um, and now there are like a lot of like Lil TJ beats on, on YouTube. And, um, and basically a lot of the New York, especially Bronx artists sound a lot like Lil TJ. So that's the direction, like, like, in like a lot of the discussions I have with friends are like, we, we see like a lot of artists doing like the exact same thing. So same thing, like I, I can say the same thing for like Polo G, um, who's like an artist out of Chicago. Like Polo G came up with a song called Finer Things um, with like a really, really distinctive uh, drum pattern. And I forget what the melody is, but the melody has been copied a bunch of times. Mm. Drums have been copied a bunch of times. And now you see a bunch of Polo Gs coming out of Chicago. So um, it makes it really easy to identify where somebody's from. I'll tell you that. Um, but I think that like, you know, type beats are really killing a lot of creativity and mm. you just, you end up hearing like a lot of artists sounding like a lot of other artists um, at the same time that makes it really special. Like, and it, and it makes it really clear when there's a, a new great rapper because not only is the sound really good, but like it's different and it's different from a lot of these like, very very narrow um type b artists so like um you know obviously like you know you you know whenever you look for new music you're looking for it to be great and a lot of a lot of these artists who do like these type b type things they do make great music it's just that they're lacking creativity and it's just not all that different and um you know it just basically sounds like another version of this more popular rapper and that's why right. when you find somebody who's great and different um, and maybe doing the type beat thing, like the type beat thing, like you're still producing lots of really cool and unique rappers. But um, but that's why that's that's when, you know, is when they're different. Yeah. But I'm, okay. I'm sure that they that people rip people off all the time. Right. Because nothing's preventing yeah. them from doing that. Are there are there big beefs that develop out of that or is everybody pretty like OK it's, with it? Not really. I think just just because. Um, I mean, at least not that I know, like, I mean, but, but I think that, um, you know, what, what it really is, is like, you know, you'll hear a rapper that's copying Lil TJ or whatever, and they're not, they're not really going anywhere because like, you know, nobody really cares. Cause it's, it's just another, you know, it's just another one. And, you know, maybe they'll get a couple, you know, a hundred thousand views here and there, but like in general, like it's not enough to threaten somebody who's like really like nailed down that sound or like really pissed them off. I mean, sometimes like, actually, yes, actually, yes, but it's a little deeper than that. Like, so in Baton Rouge, um, there's NBA Youngboy, who's like the undisputed king. And then there's JD Youngin. They beef. Um, there's a little more to it. Like they have very similar sounds um, and very, very similar beat selection. Um, I think, I mean, I know for sure, like there's like a gang issue too that causes their beef, but like, um, definitely part of it is like very, very similar, um, fan base very mm -hmm. sim or exact same market. And, um, they definitely don't like each other. Uh, there's definitely some like other politics in the background, but I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I think what you'll see is there's probably a correlation more than like a, a direct causality there just cause like, um, you know, artists are likely to beef with artists from their city because, right. you know, it's like neighborhood politics or yeah. just, you know, friends in common. So, um, you know, so a lot of the time, yeah, like rappers who sound similar will will beef with each other mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So when it comes to like the different like city scenes, um, is it fair to say like a lot of the, you know, Atlanta, Detroit, um, the Bay Area, Oakland, Chicago, New York, like kind of like at least for me on the outside looking in would be like, oh, like rap. That's like where rap lives in the U.S. Compared yeah. to a lot of these places that you've listed in your um, your YouTube channel list, which are featuring rappers from Dallas, South Florida, Houston, uh, Memphis, Richmond. Is it just that YouTube and social media in general has like finally started to give these places a voice? Or do you feel like these are actually new scenes? Um, that's a great question. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. Um... Okay, so I think that what you're seeing now is like, okay, all right, all right, so I'll, I'll give you like a couple examples. Um, there have always been like artists from these other cities. I think that the difference is that 
they're they've kind of migrated they like historically they've migrated to like the the, the centers like the, the hip-hop centers so like young Dolph is a good example he's from memphis um and he came up or started on a come up like probably eight or more years ago like he's been around for a while right like um and but he migrated to uh atlanta like because that's where Gucci Mane was, who became like a really, really big part of his career. Zaytoven, a big producer in his career. So like, and you would always, you would never say that Young Dolph like wasn't a Memphis rapper, but at the same time, he was like so deep in the, in the Atlanta thing that like he also kind of, and he worked with so many Atlanta artists that he kind of felt like an Atlanta rapper. Whereas now you kind of, you yeah, you have these channels that have really like empowered, and, and you know these channels have existed for a while, but. Now it feels like everybody's got a camera and every city has like 20. So, um, yeah, so I, I definitely think like these have empowered uh, different scenes. And like, I also think that they like, they benefit different scenes. So, you know, the Dallas, like vi music videos in Dallas are like super, super widely watched. And maybe that's, and same with Detroit um, and, and a bunch of other cities. And, you know, like maybe that, maybe that just, you know, speaks to, um, those different markets like interest in watching music videos because that's also part of it like it's a, you know they're you know I, I feel like it's the interest in music and then interest in music videos as well but yes I, to answer your question I really I do think that these that these videographers have, and you know and these YouTube channels have empowered um, these different scenes to just kind of have a voice so how do you think it came to be like these cinematographers, these these video directors. Why did that happen to be the channel? Um, and did you even know that in, in the first place before you even made this YouTube like channel list? Like, was that a thing you already knew existed, that dynamic? Or, because it could be a million other things, right? It could just be like, I don't know, some beef on Twitter or whatever. Like, why was it like, why, were, why did it end up being music video directors that became like that nexus, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um... I'll, I'll tell you how I like came to like discover or like find out about this phenomenon. And then I'll tell you like why I think it's them. So, um, in New Haven, which is like, where like I'm locally, like most familiar, like with the actual physical land, you know, like yeah. everything about New Haven, I'm very well versed in and like the people there. So there's, um, there are a couple cameramen, there's flow pro there's TCB films, um, a few others I'm forgetting, but shout out them. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so, so basically like if, if you think about, um, if you think about like, if you're, if you're an artist, you maybe have like 150, $250 to shoot a music video. Um, you're not traveling. Um, and you're basically going to hit up somebody that, you know, or is a friend of a friend or like you've seen, um, you've seen another local, uh, artist like rap with like, or do their music video with, um, you're, you're likely to hit up somebody who's like very in reach, cheap. You're not gonna go to you're not gonna go to New York City. You're definitely not gonna go to LA. I mean, depending where you're from, you might not go to these places. Um, so you know, New Haven, like, rather than hit up some major videographer who's gonna be way out of your budget in a different area, mm -hmm. um, you're gonna hit up the people who are close to you. And then um, I don't know if I mean I don't know how the phenomenon started of you know videographers getting the platform and not the artists getting the platform to upload, but. Um, and, and, you know, some artists do upload their own music, but, um, videographers have kind of become like this centralized, uh, you know, curator. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, basically it, it, it becomes, it becomes this just because of like who, you know, um, and, and, and what your social circles are. Cause I mean, like back in my day, right? Like the store, like with Ludacris, like he was selling, uh, mixtapes out the back of his trunk. Right. Right. Like, right, right, right. or like, you know, playing shows at the local like hip hop club or whatever. Like, that would be the way you got out, you know, back in, let's say, like the 90s or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess I, I'm answering my own question, but I guess it's only natural that, you know, with YouTube popping off in like mid 2000s, that became kind of like the new equivalent. Because, right, and right. I mean, of course, it's more attractive because you can reach a lot more people a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. And as you were saying that, it kind of like the CD thing kind of made me think. Um, so I was actually having a conversation with Big Mike yesterday, the the promoter that I was talking about. And so before he was a promoter, like I said, he was a DJ. But a lot of the DJs in the mid two thousands like ran mixtape distribution networks. And like like again, that was a kind of a localized thing. So but it'd be more of like a 
like a, a like a few state grouping, right? Like a so it would be like the tri-state area, and then there would be mixtape circuits down south and like um, Georgia and surrounding states, and um, so basically like you know d- you know mixtape DJs were like kind of also like local curators. So it kind of feels like um, kind of feels like that that responsibility almost got transferred to um, to to the videographers in a way. Like it's another like you know so you know it's another you know it's basically another local figure on the ground who's able to curate and collect a lot of uh a lot of music and like kind of be like a social center of music um yeah i mean that's that that that, yeah i think that's what it is it's just like a videographer is a very central figure like anybody in one city you know in a small city of like sixty thousand people like there's really only realistically gonna be like one or two guys you go to and you know they if every rapper is going through them, it's, you know, it's only natural that, that they end up kind of becoming like a, a, a head honcho type one type figure, right. you know? All right, cool. That's a perfect segue. So let's get into this, this, this gangster rap YouTube channel list that you've got. Yeah, um, sure. So you notice this dynamic at what point are you like, yo, I need to write this down. <laughs> I can't keep all this in my head. Like what, yeah. at what point was that? And when was that? Um, it was, I was like, it was two years ago, I think. Um, basically, like, like I said, like I had I had met these figures in New Haven, but I didn't really, it just didn't click that like this was happening everywhere. Um, but basically, how it went was I, you know, I would do like a lot of research, just like looking for different artists um, online, just kind of for my own personal, you know, interests and curiosity, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I just started to notice like a lot of these guys were just posted on um, different videographer channels. And, and that what, what, what I started to do, like to discover artists was I would find a new song that, you know, on a, you know, from a new, a new scene or whatever. And um, I would then click the channel and I would just start scrolling through the channel and any artists who have like really more than like 10,000 views, I would just, I would just watch. And then I, I would read the comments and I would start to realize like, Oh, like these are all people from the same city, or all people from the same area code, or same like or neighboring states. Um, and I and I was like, okay, this is like a really interesting way to keep track of artists. So I started to, um, so I started to just take screenshots of of the artists, and I would just like go through my screenshots and like look up the channel. And I was like, okay, this is kind of stupid. So <laughs> after compiling like hundreds of screenshots, I. Um, I just I, I I put it all in a in a list, yeah. and yeah, and here we are. When you put it to, when you started listening together, what what became like? We're getting into the data nerdy stuff now. Okay. Uh, what what? How did you want to organize it? Like you've because I, I took a look at it. Um, you've got some genre stuff in there. You've got locational kind of geographical kind yeah. of ways of looking at it. Um, you know some notable artists that are on each channel, or at least at one point were on the channel. Um, how did you want to kind of go about? making those categories and filtering what made most sense to you well so i was really i started this kind of like as a management tool um so that i could you know if i had an artist that i wanted to like place on a channel like this was really about creating a strategic management plan so i could like attack a ton of different markets mm-hmm. with the same artist basically so got you the way i organized it was most of it, it tended to be rap stuff like generally um, so I, I really I, I organized it by subgenre. So like, I have a lot of obviously like gangster rap is one of the things I love. Gangster rap, trap, kind of go hand in hand. Um, I also put on like some of like the emo type goth weird rap we hear now. Um, like I don't know, like anything from like Juice World to. Aries, like just some like you know some like weird um spacey depressing rappers um and then uh i have like there you know there are a bunch of like cool classic rap movements like or not classic rap but like a little bit more gritty real hip-hop stuff so like the griselda west side gun benny the butcher type things i have on there they they're you know their ecosystems kind of around that um so I, i wrote those down and then yeah like the main thing was really the the, the region was the the main the main key um and i have i actually have like sub count um like the subscriber count on there 
not that really of a helpful metric. Um, I've noticed on these channels, like, you know, a channel with a million subscribers will pump out videos because everybody's eager to get on that channel. Whereas like most of these channels, like the way they were created was, um, was by, you know, when they had, you know, 600, a thousand, 5,000 followers, uh, subscribers, you know, one, one video really took off and people started subscribing like crazy. So, um, subscriber count, not really that important, but kind of cool to, to know and just like have in a list. And yeah. then, um, yeah, region. Um, so in places like, um, Texas, I try to be a little bit more specific, like break it down by city. Cause there are all these different scenes, but in a city, I mean, in a, in a state or, you know, a state like, um, Kentucky, like there's, you know, there aren't that many scenes. There's a cool scene, but there aren't that many scenes. So I just write Kentucky. Um, uh, another, you know, another one is like, uh, Louisiana. I wrote Louisiana. You can really break it down into like New Orleans, and Baton Rouge, two really different scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I also have like, you know, some, some, some of these channels just aren't, aren't regionalized. So some of them are, they used to be regionalized videographers who became so big that rappers from all over started hitting them up. Like Cole Bennett really started as a Chicago channel, but obviously he's like everywhere doing everything now. Um, I have channels that only cover unreleased music. So like if you get your hands on an unreleased song and you want to make some money, you can send them to these channels, not advertising that at all, but it's very interesting and drives a couple scenes. Um, and then there, you know, there's some channels that are just straight up not regionalized or, you know, have, have no real, um, unifying theme other than like rap, uh, and then there's some channels that only upload audio, um, so I have that as well. Yeah. On a yeah. on a practical level, how did you first? How did you go about getting contact information for these people? And have you actually contacted them? Okay, so it's definitely not practical at all. So there's, there's no <laughs> practical. It was like it was very very difficult. Some people like you know a lot of these videographers like don't advertise how to get in contact with them at all. And have I reached out? I've reached out to a couple, like just on my own, like on my own time, kind of like to move ahead my own artists or, you know, like if we're trying to get a video shot, like I was out in LA over the summer and, um, my boy was managing a rapper and he just needed, he needed some videographer recommendations. So like, this wasn't even really anything strategic. It was just like, who's in the area? Mm -hmm. Uh, and we hit them up, um, so yeah, I mean, I've hit up, I've hit up a couple of them. I, I haven't, I haven't gone through all the, all the contact info and hit everybody up though. What, what exactly is the, if you know the economics behind it? So like you pay the cinematographer to, you know, shoot your music video, yes. but then how is the, the split from YouTube? What is that? Okay. Turning? So a lot of the time, like, I mean, if tons of the artists is a distribution deal, first of all, like if the artist isn't distributing at all, like it's not going to, it's not going to happen for them. It, it, it depends. I think, I think some, there are some, so some of the bigger channels I know for a fact do take like a revenue split or take a hundred percent of the revenue, like for the promotion. Wow. Um, uh, on a lot of the smaller channels, it's kind of up in the air just cause like there's no, there's just, it's just so informal. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, more often than not, like if the artist has distribution and they and they can get the the video to count towards their streams, like they're going to get paid. Videographer normally won't step on their toes, but there are definitely like there are a lot of different cases. I actually had, um, I'm trying to pull it up right now, like an old graphic that I put together. There were like three different uh, revenue models, like three different like main revenue models um, that I had identified. Um, and so, like one really interesting case is. Um, one really interesting case is like this artist, 22 G's, uh, I forget if it was on a regionalized channel that he posted his, um, video for suburban, but this song blew up. Like it was, I mean, it was at millions of views, huge song in New York city, huge for the drill movement, like before like drill was like what it is now. And he got signed to Atlantic records and that song was taken down and put up on his channel. So like, I assume like that was 
you know, so he could get monetized. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like have any, I don't know really, to be honest with you, but that was one interesting case. Like I know also Polo G's song, Finer Things. I'm 99% sure it was on this other channel called Ryan Lynch, who was like the, photo- uh, the videographer he came up with, the Chicago guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has his own like regionalized channel. And that was taken down um, and reposted. So that also is like, and I, and I have to assume that's for like, you know, earning money. Like I can't repost it on their, like their brand new own, like artist YouTube. Yeah. 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 Like, like their channel with, you know, where they can 1000% monetize, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It makes me think of, um, we, I was, I was reading about, um, Brazilian, um, gospel singers. Um, and which is a huge, huge, uh, genre in, uh, Brazil, obviously. And I saw a few cases, uh, where they had a huge song on their own channel, but it, so it actually worked the opposite way. It started right. on their own channel, but then it actually went to like a bigger aggro like aggregator type of channel, yeah. which did like, you know, a dope, like Brazilian religious music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would have like. 300 million views like 200 million views like just ridiculous numbers um i'm assuming for the same reason because i think they used to be on the artist channel but then it they did a deal and then it kind of just went the other way around that's super interesting i mean that makes me think like um i have to assume like if an artist is posting on their own channel and like somebody like you know i I think that happened that definitely happens with world star i've seen videos get taken down and reposted on world star yeah um but yeah, I definitely think like that that happens only like with the the absolute industry standard golden beautiful channels that are sure to absolutely kill it. Like, yeah. like I'm sure, you know, like if if some random rapper got hit up by Cole Bennett to repost a video that had forty thousand views, I'm sure they'd do it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's that's a super interesting phenomenon, but definitely like not common in like gangster rap, other than like those like big anomaly channels. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to to ask about the subscribers that you were talking about earlier. How like that what wasn't actually a, an important dynamic uh, for this world or this culture, right? Yeah. Um, which is like kind of contrary to a lot of the ways we think about like followership, no matter what the platform is. Like one example is like so I've been looking into like Indian YouTube channels, um, okay. and like India has obviously a large population with a, a crazy like hunger for just YouTube in general. And we'll see YouTube videos that, like the Brazilian ones before, are in like the nine-digit like view counts. Um, But then you look at the actual YouTube like channel subscriber, and it's just like, meh. Like I'm probably still impressive, but like it's nowhere near like nine digits or eight digits or seven digits, which tells you something about the way that that particular population uses YouTube, right? It's not like a PewDiePie gamer kind of oriented culture where it's like subscribing is like or a vlogger culture where it's like yeah. a very subscriber oriented kind of thing. It's more just like, I just want to see a dope video. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that's like a similar totally. dynamic? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I mean, the subscriber count is definitely important. It's just that like the subscriber count in and of itself, like I was more kind of like, like nagging on like my own, like the way I actually track these channels in the beginning. Cause like I kind of went into it like with that, notion that you know subscribership is like the the real key yeah. um but i think really it's like you know it's just about how how is the subscriber um count trending like is is it moving up or is it is it actually like an engaging um group of people uh you know so you know when you know when a, when a song blows up the subscriber count moves up and like and that's kind of a sign of like a burgeoning scene um but yeah like in terms of you know, what I look at, like, is this, is this scene like ready to go? Like, is, is, is there, is there going to be like an artist that blows up from this scene or this channel? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it can, it can happen. It can happen anyway. Like it really comes down to the record at that point. Um, so, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. And like, yeah, like there are some channels that they'll have like their cool 80 K, but that was cause their channel was popping like five years ago. Mm-hmm. you know and like yeah, yeah. what does that matter you know they're, they're like all old rappers that you know all old local rappers that nobody yeah. cares about you know what i mean so mm-hmm. like um do you uh yeah. is do you go through the comments on the videos is that Absolutely. like a yeah? yes so that's yes. like a big deal okay oh yeah because like you know in the comments you'll see people drop area codes they'll drop hmm. like different neighborhoods they'll drop 
different like nicknames for their cities and like that's how like i figured out 99 percent of where these channels are yeah. other than like the because because like when the when the videographer like doesn't advertise it like there's other than like the actual sound there's really no way to to know so now that it, i mean it seems like you know like a lot of these cities that you know haven't previously had a really big kind of rap culture associated with it now that they do do you find that each of these scenes are kind of really solidifying their own local flavors and styles or do you feel like it's starting to homogenize a little bit at the national level does that make sense yes okay um so yeah you definitely get your own local flavors but then there's also like this crossbreeding so like um the bay area and detroit a very similar sounds so, like detroit you'll hear a detroit song and you'll know it's a detroit like they're they have very distinctive melodies uh but the drum pattern is like the is like super unique and it's really only like it's it's a detroit thing mm. um and and say same with same with really california and they have like their own thing they're similar like they're different the actual drum sounds are different but the patterns are very very similar and as a result like there is this one song with like a couple it's called i think it's called like inglewood to detroit something like that um basically it's like two california artists from the bay and then detroit artists so like they have their own sounds, but like they're definitely nationalizing in the fact, in the sense that like they're from two completely different areas, and they're working together on a song that sounds like it could have come out of either scene. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at the same time, like New York, uh, right now the New York sound is the drill sound that you've you've probably heard, like Pop yeah. Smoke, Rap Over, Five Year Foreign Rap Over, um, and you know, I mean, the the drill scene is really from Chicago, so like. You know, different cities certainly interact with one another, but then again, like Chicago's brand of drill is totally different than Brooklyn and then the UK's brand of drill. Um, and so, so back to what I was saying, like in New York, like there's, you know, New York definitely has its own flavor. So like A Boogie and Lil TJ have kind of like molded this New York sound, um, as have, you know, the big drill rappers in New York. So. Yeah, there are definitely like there are sounds that you won't hear out of any other city, out of any other scene. Um, but at the same time, like those sounds do definitely get co-opted um, and and used on a national level. And then like you know you get pop artists um, interested like once these songs blow up, like Lil Tecca, like Ransom and and his songs before that um, were like super New York songs, super well known in New York um, before he blew up. And but now obviously his sound is huge and. There are rappers from all over, you know, adapting it. Um, I don't know if you'd say the same about Blueface, but like Blueface definitely has a very California, LA sound, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people are, I mean, I don't know, if, like, I don't know if there are any rappers from elsewhere using that exact same sound, but there are definitely big pop artists and big rappers and pop rappers interested now in rapping with Blueface. So, with you understanding like these regional like sounds so well and their histories and kind of like how they're like how they connect with other ones. How do you, how does that work with you on a day to day basis as like a management A and R tool? Like what does yeah. that what does that mean to you like day to day doing your own uh, thing? Yeah, I mean I think I think that like you know you can you can first identify different cities that are like more potent. Like Baton Rouge is anything you drop in like Baton Rouge, Detroit, or like Texas, like like those those cities like watch videos like crazy. So. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? So, so that, that's really interesting. And like, it kind of tells you, like, it kind of, it kind of just provides you with like really good context. So like, if you see, if you see a Baton Rouge artist, like come out and he, ha he has like 200,000 views in a month, that's cool for Baton Rouge. Like it's fine. But like, if an artist does a million in Baton Rouge, that's cool. Whereas like, <laughs> if you're from, if you're from Mobile, Alabama, and you drop a song, gets 200 K in a, in a month, then people are going to start looking at you because it's just like a, it's a smaller city. Um, so, so yeah, like that, that's a really interesting, like it's, it's, it's interesting to look at it in like the greater context of like the streaming numbers that the other artists are doing and just like how, like, um, how active of a, of a fan base those cities even have. Um, so that, that's one thing. And then as a management tool, like I haven't really played around with it too much myself, but like, I'm sure that if I were managing a artist from Detroit, I would 1000% be dropping music on Bay Area channels and Detroit channels and working mm -hmm. with Bay Area channel uh, artists 
in the Bay Area or in Detroit. Like, you know, like I think I think like mixing these different scenes is really interesting. Um, like as as a manager, like you know, you can attack you can attack this in so many different ways. But like, I just think like if you can identify some parallel markets, um, that's so huge. Uh, you yeah. can you know you can you can drop your music video in one market and then drop your lyric video in another market and drop your rap audio upload in another market and now you're all over the country um you know maybe that's like you know i don't know if like you're you're now like spreading out your fan base too much but like depends on the size of the artist so yeah my point my point is like just knowing knowing like where you i mean i don't have to tell you this like knowing knowing where people are listening is like super important so and i, but I also think like in terms of music videos like maybe that's something that hasn't been really used too much mm-hmm. um you know i mean i just love how you have the the level of nuance to know what a number in baton rouge means and what a number in like houston is and like to know that it's a shifting scale right because of what you said the size of the population the size of the fan base um you know what sound is had down there um i think that's super important because i feel like when it comes to a lot of kind of like more generally speaking you know data analytics when it comes to the music industry it's just like more just more is better like <laughs> right. give me 100 artists i don't care right. where they're from like just whichever one's at the top like that's what we want and of course you know that of course makes sense in its own right but at the same time when you take into account like you know you know a local scene and you know maybe the numbers aren't as big but just the fact that they are at that level for that scene means that there's really something special going on Totally. And I feel like that's a, I think that's a piece that gets left out a lot. And that's why I feel like humans will never, you know, uh, well, they'll always be a part of, you know, data analysis. They'll, they'll, they'll like a, I don't know, maybe one day there's going to be a supercomputer that'll kill us all and <laughs> tell us all, which are, you know, predict all the good artists and good music or whatever. But man, it's just great. It's great. I think, I think this scene definitely needs people like you to do that. Hey man, Thank you. So I want to kind of like zoom out a little bit now. So. Where do you kind of see um, gangster rap in relation to just the music industry? Um, not even just the American one, but just like globally. Like, where do you kind of see it? Because um, for a lot of people, um, they'll throw it into the same bin as top 40, you know, rap and hip hop. Um, and, you know, do you see it becoming like more a bigger part of kind of mainstream, whatever that means nowadays? in 2020 but i mean i mean yeah i think i think what ends up happening a lot is you know artists will start out you know make real trap music but um you know they'll they'll basically just get really popular and they're gonna have to water it down a little bit um and you know i've i've done a bit of reading like I, i read about your trigger cities um uh idea and you know, I if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but like a lot of these markets in like India, Southeast Asia, like what's palatable to them is like a little bit more PG stuff, right? I would say a lot more PG. <laughs> so, so you know, I think you know, I think to blow up definitely top forty in America, but for sure, according um, to you know to the Trigger Cities idea, like like you know worldwide, it's um, it's very very hard for somebody who's swearing and talking about drugs or you know whatever mm-hmm. to um, to really make it. So you know, I think. You know that being said, though, like in in the context of America um, and Canada and the UK, um, people are really really interested in it, and um, there it's just something very very exciting, and it has been for a while. Like I mean, gangster rap really got lit in like the '90s, and that was obviously like a huge time for hip hop. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that I see it really really like skyrocketing and becoming like this you know like morphing into this new uh and different um like animal uh music industry but i definitely think it's a i mean it's a really significant um it's definitely a really significant portion of the rap scene like like most most rap that you hear like blow up um and most most or a lot of the in my opinion the better rap that you hear like kind of started as a little bit more gritty and a little bit more r-rated um, you know, then, then what it becomes watered down to. So, um, you know, I think like, you know, you look at, you look at the Migos now who are a huge group. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know like even where you place them at this point, but you, know, you probably wouldn't think of them as like gangster rap. Um, but I mean, trap is kind of a form of, of that, um, trap music is kind of a form of that. And they are for sure, um, artists that came out of the trap scene. So I think really what it is, is like a breeding ground for the, you know, for the big leagues. And yeah. for the really mainstream stuff. Yeah, 
Oh, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, what are your, so what are your, with this YouTube, you know, channel list, what are kind of like your aspirations for it? Um, and, you know, not just it, but, you know, it's just one in, one tool of yours and in, in, your, in your tool bag of, you know, what your career is going to be um, in the years to come. Where do you kind of see kind of it going? And do you have plans on maybe even doing this outside the world of, of gangster rap and maybe in other genres? Um, yeah, I think it'd be super helpful for like, for the pop and probably the indie scene too. Um, but you know, this list, I think, you know, I've been using it for a year now. It's super helpful for artist discovery, um, in like rap and, you know, like this is, I mean, just to kind of put it in, like into the bigger picture, like, like this is the scene that has bred NBA young boy, um, y, YW Melly, I think a little bit kind of, um, like yellow beezy, some, uh, Migos is before their time, but like it's, it's bred some really big artists, Quando Rondo. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, it's a really, it's, it's a really good research tool, first of all. Um, and I also think that, um, I also think it's a really powerful management tool. Like, like I, I haven't really tested out its full, you know, it's total limits yet, but, um, I definitely think like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential for this to kind of be like a, like kind of like a key to, 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 I don't want to say hack the, 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 you know, the underground rap scene, but like you Google mapped it. Google. Yes. To Google <laughs> map the, the underground rap scene, Google maps for underground rap. That'd be a great title for it. Um, Dude, done. <laughs> done. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a good A&R tool. I think it's a good management tool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we think it's a great, a combination of like creativity and data it's the perfect blend of the two um obviously when you speak about it about about rap it's it's coming from a place of passion but at the same time you apply some rigor to it you know from an analytical perspective and i think that combination is killer man so let's get to some speed round okay <laughs> cool. are you ready for this all right so we're gonna do yeah. some data driven some data driven music trivia Okay. Um, you're going to get maybe one or maybe no options or maybe a couple options and just try to find the right answer. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be damn near impossible, but okay. that's the fun is trying to hear you kind of work through it. Okay. Okay. So just try to take some educated guesses, just think it out loud, whatever. Cool. Um, and oh man, I don't have a bell record. I said we were going <laughs> to Oh, we can get a bell. Edit one, one in. Edit a bell in. Yeah, we can put one in. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so here we go. Um, it's going to be like rapid fire. So, okay. Detroit's uh, Faux Show Magazine channel is associated with T Grizzly. Yes. T Grizzly has only one solo music video on that channel. Yeah. Do you remember what, what music video it was? First day out. What year was that? 20... 16 2015 damn i don't know it no it was 2016 you got that right i'm gonna call it that, that's a good that's good no, okay, okay. Right. uh i'll just give that to you i was, I was gonna ask him about how many views but I was gonna be hard. It's 100, oh, well, 100, like, how many views yeah i, I was i mean I, th I think i heard you say it's like 120 million 108, 108. okay okay i just wanted him to win that one i just wanted him to win that one. it's so good it was so good all right um name any channel based in albany albany georgia or albany new york i think either one because i don't think we were able to decouple that so albany uh anyone i've got i'm looking at six right now uh damn i don't know ace the shooter <laughs> is ace the shooter in there no way. no i got uh good. mantra ravish jace davy maven multimedia Tony Perkins with a one. Yeah, that's us TV. Oh, so, so, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's two different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should have specified the states. Tony Perkins is Albany, Georgia. The other guys, I'm pretty sure, the, are, the, are the Albany and New York. Damn. All right. Well, cool. I mean, hey, I figured we'd give you two cities. Why not? It's <laughs> all so good. That's a hard one. Okay. Uh, what city is Young Row based in? Uh, it's definitely Texas. Mm -hmm. um, is it Houston? It is. Yeah, it is. And then who signed them? Meek Mill. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Jada Youngin. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Jada Youngin uh, shows up on your list uh, with a cinematic TV channel. Hmm. Which one of his 2018 videos has more views? 
thought thought or elimination elimination no oh, Ooh. it's thought that it's got 31 million and then yeah. elimination had 21 i don't even know thought that I only know <laughs> Damn. all right cool <laughs> um i think elimination it was just like album art and then thought that it was the actual video uh, all right i think when i was checking it up okay um okay this 2019 video um i can't know if i'm reading this it's chxpo i don't know how to say that oh, i think chapo chapo probably Okay, the name of the video is uh, Chapo. I guess that's the artist. Chapo, uh, I love it when she cries is the name of uh, the track. <laughs> it's released in 2019. It's a video on the uh, Astari channel okay. that you have on your list. Yeah. How many subs are on that channel? I'm going to give you choices. 609,000, okay. 690,000, or 960,000. 960. <laughs> no, 690. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, anyway, uh, impressive. Uh, do you remember? Uh, do you recognize this video at all? Do you recall it? Oh, oh no, I don't. I know the chat. Starry's dope. Starry's super dope. But no, uh, I, don't, I don't know the video. But could you guess on who the director might have been for the video? Oh, I have no idea. Weird no Dane. Weird Dane is the, the director. Shout out Weird Dane. Shout out. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, Vic Vicmont Films yes. is a music video director based in where? St. Louis. Nice. One of the artists he's directed for is uh, Thirty Deep Grimy. Say that again. Thirty Deep Grimy or no, no, uh, five. Five. Yeah, yeah, five. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Um, can you name another one? Another one. Uh, <laughs> head. Is head in there. Uh, doesn't look like it. It doesn't mean that you're not wrong. It doesn't mean you're not right. He's not my notable artist. Uh, yeah, I think that's where I took it from. But shout I, out, I, Vic, Vic Bon Films is actually super dope. So shout out, yeah. Vic Bon Films. <laughs> cool. Now, okay, last one. Uh, besides his music video channel, he actually has two additional YouTube channels, two of which are not true. I'm going to give you three themes for these YouTube channels that are not music video channels, okay? Yeah. Gaming, vlogging, and music video director tutorials. Which uh, one does not does he not do? Wait for for Vicmont. For Vicmont, yeah. Wait, sorry. What are, what are the options again? <laughs> sorry, that, I, I worded that wrong. Okay, so Vicmont has a music video channel, which of course you know well about, but he yeah. actually has two other ones. Okay, so gaming, t uh, music video tutorial, and what's the other one? Vlogging, just like daily life vlogging. He does two. I know he does. I know he does. I know he does the music video tutorial. Mm -hmm. Uh, wait, you forgot the cooking. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I forgot uh, I cooking as an option as well. Obviously, that's not one of them. Yeah, I, I know now. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he doesn't do the vlogging, he actually doesn't do the tutorials. Really? Yeah, wow. he does gaming yeah, and vlogging. You should, you should get on that. <laughs> you should. It makes sense. Ben, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with us today, man. Yeah, um, thanks for thanks for helping me out with this. Like this is great. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, is there a way for people to co to connect with you if they want to kind of get in on this list, man? What's going yeah, on? Yeah. They want to get to know you and and what you do and and all that knowledge that you've kind of put together. Yeah, you can uh, you can look me up on Instagram. I'm not really active, but Ben Sauberman S A U B E R M A N and. Uh, just email me, ben at sparhe.wtf. That, that's us. Nice. So, uh, yeah, man. Thank, thanks thanks, for so much for doing this. How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetrics. Special thanks to Ben Sauberman. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and article links and show notes are at podcast.chartmetric.com. And if you want some more insights, head to our blog, blog.chartmetric.com. That's it for Season 2, Episode 11 of How Music Charts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.